Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I think he would have been 105 at the time and I was 105, you know. So, you know, 110 kilos down on my ankle uh, in an awkward position. Um, just didn't just didn't sit well with, obviously, the little uh, Murray, Murray calves and my Larry ankle that didn't hold me up. Um, but my mum always said to me, if you're going to do something, do it properly, Jarrell, and I bloody did it. I bloody did it that day. Down the block, Andrew Johnson. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won the grand final. He's got the ball. Jared Hayes. Superstar, superhuman. Collie Bodulite. The speed of a bullet. He hits it. He's got it. G'day guys, today I bring you part three of our interview with Jarrell Yao Yao, a champion fellow, a champion footballer, unfortunately cut down close to his peak, or probably before his peak realistically. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one and part two, go back to the last two Tuesdays, they'll be available there, and talks a lot about his footy career in those first two parts. Today in part three, we kick off 2012, and it's a few weeks into the 2012 NRL season, the Brisbane Broncos, they have to go on an away trip over to Perth to play the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and and this is where, of course, Jarrell, his career comes to an end. Um, okay, it unofficially comes to an end, I should say. Uh, Jarrell talks about the experiences of that trip going to Perth, the feelings, uh, his mental state after it. There's a lot that goes into this, a lot that... You know, when we see that clip on TV for a few minutes when he gets injured, he gets stretched off. It's just the very beginning. It's just the – you're just scratching the surface of the experiences that Jarrell went through. Uh, he was then forced to retire within a couple of years, went on an amazing road to recovery that, um, you know, was unbelievable to watch. I'm sure that – and, like, he mentions this to a lot of the people from a distance that were watching just sort of went, my God, there's no way he can possibly make it back. But – the resilience that he showed was unbelievable. He didn't end up getting back to the Brisbane Broncos. He played a few games at Queensland Cup, did a little bit of that, but then had to hang up the boots. And it's really interesting hearing Jarrell talk about uh, his path after first grade. A lot of the guys I talk to, they're able to retire on their own terms or they've at least got 10 years in. They've won a premiership. They've done a lot. Jarrell did a lot in his three or four years that he played first grade, but 
He didn't get to go out on his own terms. We saw some amazing things from him, but I'm sure we didn't see the absolute best from him. And there was so much more to come. But unfortunately, Jarrell, he didn't get to live that. He didn't get to show us what he was completely able to do at his peak. So uh, his entrance into retirement was very different to a lot of players. A lot of questions left unanswered. You know, just a very difficult situation. And there were some really dark days there for Jarrell. And I commend him on how honest he was. He talks about when he was um, considering suicide, which was really tough to listen to. Um, he talks about a prescription drug problem that he had. And myself and Jarrell, we go in, in depth on this one talking about it, that it is a bigger problem in rugby league than what the NRL would le- would lead you to believe. This is happening all the time with guys coming out of first grade and you know they're in so much pain all the time. They're trying to push themselves to the absolute limits with their recovery as they were when they were playing. And it's just it's just a recipe for disaster. We also touch on what Jarrell's been doing post-football. I think he has made fantastic inroads in the social media game as far as rugby league is concerned. I think in a couple of years, we're going to look back. And it's going to be guys like Jarrell who really laid the platform for guys like me, Denham Camp, Isaac John, NRL Roast, all these sort of guys that we're all doing fantastic things in our little... NRL social media community and Jarrell, he really did start to kick these things off. Yeah, he opened a lot of doorways for us, which has been fantastic. Champion fella, as I said at the start, if you haven't gone back and listened to part one and part two, definitely go back and check them out. His story is simply incredible. We'll kick it off now. Mate, 2012 rolls around. You mentioned in the preseason you're absolutely flying. Your times are incredible, uh, full of confidence. Uh, I think Brisbane, they were sitting with a 2-1 and one record. I think you'd already scored a few tries in your first couple mm. of games. Uh, you get on the flight to Perth and, um, I mean, fair to say, a life-changing moment. Life-changing. It didn't feel right from the start. And I look, in hindsight, I know saying that now, you know, if nothing happened, I'm, I might not even be talking about this, but it just didn't feel right. We got over there so late I think it was like two in the morning we played on a Saturday and that was a I think we got there on a Thursday morning at two um so we obviously had a day to recover and we um we did a pre we did a team run Friday evening uh and it just didn't feel right I'm a bit of a weirdo when it comes to uh scheduling and and um how I how I get ready as well and my strapper didn't strap me at the, at the time the same of the game so I don't, I don't blame him, but it just, it just didn't feel right. Uh, and uh, yeah, look, the incident, um, you know, we, we go into the game and we're probably, we're actually under the pump a little bit in this game. We were getting dushed um, by, by, um, by the rabbits. They were, they, they came to play and uh, just when we knew we needed to change the game a little bit. And um, I know that, you know, I enjoy, that part of my game, changing the game in, in, in aspects. And, you know, we spoke about it at the first start of the podcast about kicking chases, um, chasing kicks, sorry, and making sure you're, you know, you're onto that. And this was no different. Um, compete for everything was something that Hook always said to me as well. And um, I probably could have pulled out of this, uh, you know, this exact moment, but uh, knowing my competitiveness, I did not. And 
Bill Farrell goes up for the catch and uh, I was probably still fair and far away. Wall kicked it about 35 out across the field. So I had, I had a fair bit of ground to cover. Um, and just unfortunately, you know, Dylan Farrell being 100, and I think he would have been 105 at the time and I was 105, you know. So, you know, 110 kilos down on my ankle uh, in an awkward position. Um, just didn't just didn't sit well with, obviously, my little uh, Murray, Murray calves and my Larry ankle that just didn't hold me up. <laughs> um, but my mum always said to me, if you're going to do something, do it properly, drill and I bloody did it. I bloody did it that day, <laughs> mate. I am I am extremely squirmish with this sort of stuff, and I've I've honestly avoided watching this for a decade. And when I knew you were coming on, I thought, all right, I'm going to have to watch it. I still haven't brought myself. I've heard the audio. I I just can't watch it myself. I imagine for you at the time when you do hit the ground, does adrenaline take over? Do you look at it? What, what what's doing there? Explain to me that that moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Adrenaline takes over. I see exactly what's happened. Um, I see it unfold in front of my eyes. Like I just, I hundred percent see it unfold, and I could see my ankle touch the side of my leg. So, it, it, I definitely knew that it was in a different, different position. Um, uh, but adrenaline took over, so it wasn't hurting. Could definitely see it dangling, and knew something was not correct. And while that stage, I was screaming um, to Hodge. Um, probably said the F word 50 times in a row. Uh, and then knowing me, um, laid down, uh, we had yellow socks on that night, um, which is just, just bloody good for me. Wasn't it? Um, and I just said to Hodge, I was just so curious, man. I was like, I got to look again. And he's like, no, you don't have to look again. And as soon as I looked, man, at that point, it was probably, it would have been a probably 40 seconds after I'd done it. I'd lay down and look back up. It just, my whole sock just went red. And that's when we knew it was a compound, um, which I knew then I'd gone all tingly. That feeling you feel when you're going to faint. But luckily I was laying down. I just laid back down and went, yeah, okay, that's, that's not good. But at that moment, I just, I didn't think anything of it. I thought rehab. I thought, you know, get to the hospital, give me some, give me some good, um, some good painkillers and uh, and send me on my way. Um, little did I know that that moment would not only change my footy career, but change my life completely. Now, as you said, change your your life completely. And at, at what point? When when was the moment that you sort of went, "Fuck this! This could be Red Rover here." Like I imagine being a young guy with all the confidence in the world, with so many years ahead of you. I mean seemingly outside of being in a wheelchair, there would be no injury that could stop you from coming back to play rugby league at that point. I mean, what was the moment that you sort of went, Jesus, this could be it? Yeah, the stubbornness was first for me. I didn't, it took me a long time to actually realize um, that I would never be able to do what I, what I could do again. Um, So that would be that moment for me, that light bulb moment was, (laughs) was not until like the end of, even the start of uh, like, oh, I would say 2000. Yeah, probably the. I don't even remember when I bloody retired. When I said I retired, now that's how long ago. Like it just seems so. Um, look, I, it was it was a couple of years later. Let's just put it that way. Um, and I still I still remember the exact moment that I just knew um, because what had happened was I'd trained my I just trained my ass off man and I was in a rehab group um every week week in and week out um you know I got given every chance by hook you know he gave me every opportunity to try and push back into the side and it just wasn't couldn't move laterally uh I could jump 
just couldn't land. I was a bit nervous, but I didn't let that hold me back. I still jumped up in, the, in you know, training and still clashed with players. And the, the other thing was like, every time I fell to the ground, everyone was like, shit. But I was like, no, nah, I'm fine. You know, I didn't. And that was the other thing. I was like, I'd have a conversation with a lot of boys about that. I was like, you just got to fucking just realize that I'm going to be, just don't do that because you're going to put me into a place where I can't do it. So, um, but it did, the moment I realized was when I was, I played a game for Norths and I done my other ankle. I high ankle sprained it and I couldn't walk because after a game, after I'd run on my right ankle, I couldn't walk as it was. So I was limping around. Then I just couldn't walk at all. So uh, it brought me to a moment like right now into my life where I was like, you're going to be a dad one day, Jarrell. You're not going to be able to run around with your kids. And for me being a single, you know, my mum being a single mum and me being a single, you know, having no dad, that was a big part for me, having having a father who can actually, you know, provide for the family. I thought to myself I might be disabled. Um, so that really hit home. So I was sitting in the physio room with um, my physio, Luke Anning, at the Broncos. Uh, good mates with still Luke Anning, who he'd, he'd seen everything. He'd seen everything. He'd seen the roller coaster for me, but I just broke down and cried that day and called, said, can you go and get hook? And I just said to him, mate, I can't do this anymore. And um, he just said, mate, it's been two years. He goes, fuck, I thought you were going to give up a long time ago. He goes, I can't even believe how far you've come. No one was wanted to tell you, but you had to tell yourself. And, oh, you know, I thank them for that because they could have, you know, done that for me and said, you know, just giving me my fate. But they let me fight it out until I finally couldn't do it anymore and brought myself to tears, to, to be honest, to, um, yeah, to, to give it up. Was there anyone in that two-year gap that did pull you aside and say you're not going to make it back and, and you push back on them? Did, did anyone say it to you? Nah, nah. I had, mate, you know what? I had a good group of mates yeah. and a good group of uh, people at the Broncos who believed in who I was and my ability. Um, and I was tough, mate. Like, I just – I knew I was tough. I was a different person when I come out of that hospital. So, you know, for me even to be on the footy field, they told me I'd never walk again. So for me to, to be training with first graders and still, don't get me wrong, I was still, I was still, I was still marking up against players of training and I was still doing them up at times. So for me to be, even be there, they were surprised. So, you know, they were seeing glimpses of hope. So I, I suppose it was to, a, to an extent where they're like, well, can't rule this kid out just yet. Um, so no, they were, they were awesome. Uh, they gave me every opportunity to, to come back and uh, I thank him for that. Mate, how was the tradition uh, transition into post-football life? I, uh, I've spoken, obviously, a number of guys that have retired and those first couple of years, they seem pretty tough. And a lot of these guys, they're retiring on their own terms. You, you didn't have that privilege. I, imagined, I imagine it must have made it even harder for you, mate. Yeah, um, look, I, it didn't help. I had a serious uh, painkiller addiction um, as well that, I've, you know, I've only sort of just come out probably the start of this, um, sorry, not a couple of months ago with Sammy Thide and really delved in deep with that, that I had a serious painkilling issue, um, a drug, you know, drug use issue with with uh, prescription drugs. So um, with, with, with all the head noise that was, not playing footy anymore, and then adding that to the piece, um, you know, that podcast I did with Sammy, I uh, exploited that, you know, I almost took my life. So it was extremely hard. It was extremely hard. But uh, I knew I knew that I just needed to find help 
Um, that was the biggest thing. Uh, so when I did uh, find help, I finally got out of that rut and I feel, I realized I was a different person. I was a different breed, man. I, I'm look at me now. Like, man, I, I don't know, even know who I was five years ago. I don't even know who that person was. So, um, I've grown into, you know, from a young man to a, to a man. And, um, I've learned to look, I've lived, I lived a life that a lot of people, um, have lived in a long period of time. I've done it. I've done it. In, I've done it in a short period of time. You mentioned uh, prescription drug addiction there. And, um, I mean, I think this is something that's it's a lot more common in rugby league than what um, the public are led to believe. From from what I've gathered, a lot of guys I talk to, they talk off mic about it, and it's a bit of a taboo subject, but it definitely is a problem in rugby league, isn't it? Yeah, because um, this is the best way I can put it. Nathan. Like this is this is the this is the best way I can put it. We are extreme athletes, all right. We this is arguably the toughest. I think, and not just because I've played it, this is arguably the toughest sport in the world. Um, you know, you've obviously got your likes like ice hockey, you know, that have fried up there. Um, this is arguably one of the toughest sports in the world. Now, us as sports people, we're extremists. We're extremists. That's just the fact. We, we do everything to the extreme. And talked about, you know, me doing painkillers. I used to do that to the most extreme I could possibly do. I used to push myself to the limits. Um, you know, probably doctors out there probably going to scream if they're hearing this, but I was taking like, I was, I was mixing Zannies with Endones and going and drinking piss. Like that's that I was an extremist. I would push my body to the limits that I possibly could till I, I thought it couldn't do any more. So when you talk about, you know that that in that life if you can't fulfill your life in rugby league and you're not living extreme enough in in the game that's probably where it falls back on because you want to live something else to the most extreme and that's for me that's a that's my point of view on it um and that's only because i've lived that um you know other people might have other opinions but that's 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 my opinion i'm pretty strong about it when you were in that in that dark time obviously uh mixing your prescription drugs drinking alcohol Mate, is the club, is the NRL aware of these things? Because, I mean, from the outside looking in, it almost looks like they're just sort of turning a blind eye to it. I mean, I was talking to another mate the other day who had um, another former first grader, a guy that only played 20 or 30 games, mate, and he was in the exact same boat as was his brother, and we just, we never hear about it, and it sounds like the NRL, they leave a lot of these guys stranded. Yeah, look, I think um, it's probably a bit of a grey area, and... um, we go back to, you know, mental health, right? We, we, we've really nipped that in the butt, I think. We've really nipped it in the butt and we've come to the forefront of that. Um, but this is where mental health starts. So we're basically, we're, we're at a moment where we're trying to, um, we're stopping the mental health, but we, we need to get it before it happens. And this, you know, this is where it starts at using, um, you know, these type, of, these, these type of tools and drugs, you know. So I think... Um, if there's clubs that, you know, if they're nervous about getting uh, on top of this because they're like, oh, well, they're a big time player. We can't really bring them out because then they'll stop playing footy um, and we'll lose our memberships or our, you know, that's where I can think it, um, where it's coming from. But <clears throat> we need, we need the, we need the players to be comfortable first to talk to people. And that's the biggest thing because um, if they're not talking to people, uh, that are at the right levels, then how are we supposed? How's the club supposed to re- re- act on it? So, 
we do we do have things in place. We've got welfare officers now that are in every club, um, but they need to make sure they're accountable for that as well. And that's not a, that's not an easy job. Those welfare roles, you know, they're they're taxing in themselves. So I could imagine, you know, the people that are in those roles are doing it tough. But you've got to make sure you act on things quickly. If players say something, you you can't let it you can't let it just bypass. You've got to act really quite fast. You did mention at one point, uh, you know, your lowest point where you were suicidal yourself, mate. Who was the the people that helped you get out of that dark period? Oh, look, I couldn't single out anyone singly. Um, obviously, my family. I'm, I'm so close with my family, um, but my immediate friends as well. Um, and I'm talking about my mates who I've known since I was, you know, high school. Uh, I've still got a friend. I've still got a mate that I've known since grade one. Um, I don't know many people. Who, I'm preschool, sorry. I don't know many people who have those have those mates, and those those guys keep me grounded. So I keep them pretty close, and they tell me the, the truth when I need the truth. So um, those people were the ones that got me through it. You know, they, they never get seen in the limelight to do that. You know, um, it's always the boys at the club who are the people that you know always are seen to help, and they are they do as well. I'm not taking anything away from them, but you know, when I go home. Um, it's my close family and close friends that that um, make sure that uh, I'm doing good. Mate, uh, post-football, obviously, um, you managed to land a gig at the Broncos and, um, you know, you did a lot of fantastic things in the community there. From a from, from a personal side for me, I, I think the, the greatest thing to watch you do during that time, and as I said, personally, it means a lot to me from where I'm sitting, what I do with my um, social media and whatnot. It was the extra content that you brought to rugby league and to the Broncos, especially. Do you feel like you sort of started a, a bit of a change there? Yeah, well, you know what? It's funny you say that, Nath, because that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, I wanted to create that content. The digital. I wanted the digital world to take off, and we knew that there was a space. Like you have a look at it now. Look what we're doing right now. Look, look what so many people are doing. But you know, I think about you know. 17, 18, I started doing this and putting into places um, things like this about um, having digital content at the Broncos. Um, and, you know, for a good three or three and a half, four years of my life, I was a content producer at the club and I was happy doing that. I was doing, we were doing live uh, shows from, you know, from from uh, the Broncos headquarters with Sammy Thider, you know. Um, I was doing great stuff. I was doing the podcast. So, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's something that... Um, I'm glad I did because it shows that we have another uh, we have another tour to us us rugby league players we're not just buffheads and we, we don't just play footy you know we've got something else that we can do and um, over the years don't get me wrong I, I was terrible I was terrible at this stuff I was so bad you look at some of my first interviews I was so bad so yeah to to say that um, I helped for you to say that I helped grow this a little bit you know it makes me feel good I mean you know when Kempi first started um, bloke in a bar you know in a locker room a long time ago you know I was there to help him first start some of that stuff and we still talk about that now and look how far you know look at look at yourself look how far he's come you know it's it's great to see that um you know just larrikins and blokes like yourself can can do this kind of stuff and 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 let fans enjoy it because um that's basically all i wanted to do was give back to the fans at the broncos and and give them a little bit of a insight and um you know what it looks like to be a footy player inside the club and still players is a little bit standoffish but um you know, if I got a little bit more time now, obviously I'm not there at the moment, but, um, you know, uh, if I had a little bit more time, 
Um, I would have tried to get the boys a little bit more on side with this stuff because this is this is not only you know they are not only just playing footy now. This this stuff is is paramount to the game as well. Oh mate, and I think like rugby league. We're- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We're a, very, uh, we're a very cynical bunch, and I think that what you did at the Broncos, I think that you know, when you first got that gig, I, I think it was almost viewed as like a sort of a job for the boys. You know, we sort of get that opinion in rugby league. And I think you, yep. you slowly lifted the lid on just how important social media, branding, all these things are. I mean, could you imagine the amount of memberships that would come into the Brisbane Broncos each and every year if all 30 of those blokes would get behind the camera, would chat to them, would do their Instagram lives? Like for me, I think it is the absolute future. And I think clubs they're just scratching the surface on what they can do yeah 100 percent. you're so right like i think about when i'm a fan right i'm not only just a fan of the bronx but i'm a gooner i'm an arsenal fan i've been an arsenal fan since i was 10 years old man i'm a massive soccer fan and you know i still don't think clubs over there in the premier league have scratched the surface yet you know i want to see more personal stuff you know and um you know that means that means players, uh, you know, going through their daily routines. I want to see cameras follow them to the get like NFL do it really well. Um, you know, the, the, the NBA do it really well. Um, so yeah, the more we can, we can delve into that deeper and deeper as an organization in the NRL. Like we, we, we I think what we are scared of as a, is trying to stay too traditional. Sometimes we get nervous of being too traditional. We're always going to have traditionalness in, in this game because it's the NRL. It's rugby league. We're never going to go away from that. So, yeah, I, I think we need to just take some risks. If, if things don't work, then just take a step back. But the fan, you know, you and me, like, I'm a fan now. I want to see all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I want to feel like I know my favourite player. That's, that's how I want to see it. That's how I tried to do it at the Broncos. Mate, the, the hardest thing for me to watch last year was the first two weeks, Brisbane. Uh, they come in, they come to training dressed up in their clothes. It's all over social media. How good is this? It's fantastic. The Penrith Panthers do the same thing. Um, Brisbane Broncos, they start to lose games. And, I mean, everyone wants to pin it back on those sort of events, whereas the Penrith Panthers, they keep winning games. And, you know, it's the best thing ever. It's great. I guarantee you. If the Penrith Panthers get to round five this year and they've won one game, everyone's going to be saying, hey, 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 why are they dancing around? Why are they dressing up? Why are we seeing the sheds after the game? What's going on here? It is just, yeah. it's the most predictable script you could ever see coming, isn't it? 100%, 100%. And look, this is a game, you're going to be you're going to be scrutinised. No matter what you do, if you're losing footy games, you're going to get scrutinised, no matter what. You can be you can be the Melbourne Storm. You start losing a game, they'll say, oh, they've lost it. It's the end of an era. Blah blah blah. You know, you can already see the headlines. So predictable. The media is predictable. Um, you know, for all the people out there listening, don't be predictable. You know, be if you're a fan and you're a member and you're a you're a big fan of your club, stay stay strong to the you know, stay loyal to the soil. That's what I like to say. Stay loyal to the soil and and and, and be a bron if you're a Broncos fan, be a Broncos fan. Don't don't be fake. Don't don't jump in and out. Um, because 
I don't want people jumping in and out when we're going through hard times. We we, we needed our members last year, and you know I, I I'm not I'm not afraid to say, it, but there's a lot of people that that jumped off the bandwagon. They jumped right off, right off, and you know what? I'm a Bronco mate through and through. I'll be a Bronco till I die, and I'll back these boys no matter what. I'll back Kevy, and um, yeah, I think we got to be a bit more loyal. Mate, speaking of your Broncos, uh, I know you're an honest guy and I know you want nothing but the best for the club. I want you to tell me, um, a kid making their debut in 2021 for the Brisbane Broncos, how is it different than 11 years ago, 12 years ago when you made your debut? What has changed at that club in the last 18 months, two, three years, whatever you think it is? Look, I think um, for me, uh, it's, it's getting back to being that, I know this word gets thrown around a lot, but having that culture, like <laughs> having that Broncos culture, like I can't speak highly enough of when I walked into a room um, with players and I just felt that aura. Um, I, I, I urge these young boys to, to jump on that, you know, walk in, be, you know, be proud that you're a Bronco. Be so proud that you're a Bronco. And look, they probably are, you know, um, they they probably are. I don't I don't know how they're feeling right now, but I, I all I all I want is the best from them. It's a little bit different to back when I was playing because, you know, when I when I talk about players, you know, just the, the the caliber of players that I had when I was coming through was I was just so lucky. And they those players were at the pinnacle of their careers. So, you know, at the moment it's hard to say any of our older boys, unfortunately. That's it's it's not their it's not no one's fault. It's just unfortunately they're not at the pinnacle of their careers. Um, so, you know, they might think a little bit different um when they walk in a locker room, but I've got full faith in what they believe in in their, you know, their values at the club. I, I highly believe that Kevin Walters is is the right man for the job. I, I believe that he brings something to the Broncos that um, no other coach could have. So, yeah, it's a – sorry, my dogs are playing up. Um, it's um, – yeah, there's nothing nothing that more than I want from success from that club. And I know that Kevy and the team that he brings um, will do – every time I talk to Kevy, he's so passionate about that place. And that's going to that's gonna really rub off uh, if he keeps being like that. Mate, uh, I know I'm a little bit biased because I've always been a big fan of him. I know you're good mates with him, so you're probably a little bit biased as well. But for me – Watching the Brisbane Broncos let Andrew McCulloch go twice in a year's time, considering the situation they're in, I just I look at this club and I I look at Alex Glenn and to me he's one of the few guys in this club that understands what it is to be a Bronco. The other guy was Andrew McCulloch and I, I simply cannot believe he's been shown the door twice. That has absolutely rocked me. Yeah, it's it's look, it's not. And you know what, Mac is a class act, mate. He's a class act. He's um, he'll you know what, he's just a toiler. He'll 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 work hard at the Dragons, and he'll do his best to play his best footy. But uh, you know, I can't say that, um, sit here and say that I know that he's not a little bit upset that he's had to leave, um, because I know him personally. Mm. I think the blow makes it a little bit better that he's got Hunty down there, his best mate. <laughs> you know, it makes it a little bit easier. He's got Hook as well. Uh, he's got Normie. He's got Tarek, Taz, Sims there, Tarek Sims down there as well. So, and the other dynamic is making sure that his wife's happy. So I know Carly and I know, Brid- I know Carly very well, Amaka's wife and Bridget, Hunty's wife. They're good mates. So it, it, it fits for him. So he's lucky in that sense um, because it could have been a lot worse, but Amaka, and I know he wanted to retire at that club. 
I know he wanted to be, you know, before he went to Newcastle, he wanted to stay at that club. So, yeah, um, all I can say is I know it's nobody's fault, but the people behind the scenes at the Broncos, you know, that's whose fault it is. It's the people at the top. It's um, whoever's running the footy department there. Um, uh, in first in the in, in the instance, um, yeah. Because for me, Mac is a Broncos legend and always will be. Mate, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And as I said before, I think I think understanding what a Bronco is, it, it's a definite thing. And for me, I look around this league, and you know, if you if you don't want Andrew McCulloch in the building, I mean, geez, Carmichael Hunt is sitting up there in Queensland Cup at the moment. Even if he doesn't play a game, I just think. A guy like him, the experience he's had at the Broncos, uh, he's a guy that's made a heap of mistakes. Let's be honest here. He's learnt from them. He's, he has got ahead of himself a couple of times during his career. I just think they've got a wealth of experience sitting up there that, I mean, the Magpies are using him up there. Jeez, I think he could be so much better utilised within those four walls up at Brisbane. Well, look, I, I had actually had a chat with him on uh, my brekkie show on 98.9 and, uh, you know, I spoke to him about what, you know, what he wanted to get out of going back playing rugby league. And um, his biggest one is he wants to coach. Um, and what we're missing is, you know, a bit of that, um, you know, old head at the Broncos. So you, you're right. Um, I, I don't see why, you know, we we couldn't use him in some way or form um, at the club, especially with the likes of Jermaine Asako, Tessie New, who are still at heart rookie fullbacks um you know and i know i know i know jermaine's played a few um years but he could still learn a lot and any anyone could but he's still very young you know and i think having the likes of k um would really help so you might be onto something there and look i the only other thing that would deter carmichael away from that is he talks to wayne very regularly and we know <laughs> we sort of know the the rift between the broncos and wayne at the moment so um if there's any, if there's any uh, advice Wayne's given, okay, it's don't go there, <laughs> <laughs> mate. I, I just think there there isn't a single guy in first grade right now that couldn't learn a lesson, uh, learn a lesson from Carmichael Hunt. And mate, I'm confident there's 30 blokes training up there at at Red Hill that could definitely learn a few lessons from him. Well, look, put it this way: if K turns up tomorrow at training, I mean, I can tell you. When we talk about that aura in the dressing room, there's your aura. Mate, tell me people yeah. aren't sitting up straighter, people aren't going harder when Carmichael Hunt's there. And you know what? Uh, Kay's a guy who, when it comes down to training and business, he means business. I'm not going to lie to you. Means business. And then when it's time to enjoy himself and have a beer, he knows he knows the time to flick off. But he was a great – he was a, he was one of the best trainers. Um, and, yeah, he you could see that because it really, it really oozed on the field. Jarrell, mate, I really appreciate your time. Um I'm I'm selfishly glad uh, that your career has gone the way it has because you have, as I said, and people probably won't understand it unless you're in the space that we're in with social media, you really have laid a platform for plenty of people to come through after you, myself included. It started to change the dynamics and um, the, the dynamics of rugby league, they are like cement. It takes so long to change these things and you were the, you were one of the first guys to be chipping away at it for me and as I said selfishly you know I'm glad it's gone that way but also devastated that your career didn't pan out the way it should have uh, I, I still wish I was watching you play each and every weekend mate but I love how open and honest you are about it I think you're doing did great things on the field what you're doing off it though I think it's blowing it out of the park to be honest with you mate yeah. so I appreciate your time 
Yeah, thank you so much for for letting me come on, and um, very humbling to hear you know you hear you say that. And um, look, I look forward to um, you know what's happening next in life. Like I said, I'm, I've been lucky and blessed to play with some of the best, do anything, everything, and everything in the game. Um, but hey, my chapter's not over. Um, stay tuned because I've got a lot more to give. Mate, without a doubt, fatherhood's just kicked off. I'm so excited for you, mate. Yeah, thank you so much. The endless nights of sleep are looking awesome so far. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not jealous, but I'm excited for you, no doubt. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, legend. Thanks, Bar. Hope you enjoyed this series of podcasts as much as I did. Talking to Drow was sensational. He's a guy that we hope to have on during the year to talk some more footy, a champion fella. Just a reminder, if you haven't gone and got any of our merchandise yet, www.rugbyleagueguru.com.au. You can cop your hats, your T-shirts, your stubby holders, and buy some cheap footy cards on there as well, guys. So dive on there now. The pre-sale, it closes next Wednesday. So if you'd like to jump on and support what I'm doing, grab some gear to wear to the pub on the weekend. Jump on there now. Grab some gear. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.